Hey, if you are watching by Facebook Live right now or by YouTube, uh, or if you're listening to this podcast, welcome. We're so glad that you can join us through this medium. Uh, I am super excited about our first birthday. It is, it's, I just, what God has done in this year is amazing. Absolutely amazing. You don't want to miss it. You want to make every effort that you possibly can to be here that day, invite some friends, make plans to stay over for the after party at the Grove. We're going to celebrate and have a good time. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just praise that we get into uh, this, this message this morning as we look into your word. The Holy Spirit, that you would reveal things to us that we need to have our eyes open to. Where we need affirmation from you, I pray that you would speak it. Where we need course correction, I pray that you would give it to us and that we would see it. And we would say yes to every good thing that you have for us. Lord, I pray that when we leave here today, that we would be empowered, that we'd be immobilized, not immobilized, that we would be mobilized, that we activate the gifts that you've given us to make a difference in the world around us. And everybody said amen. 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 Today we're wrapping up this series that we've been in for the last five weeks called We Church, Not Me Church. And so the reason for this series is because we've all got different experiences with the church. Some of those experiences for some of us have been really good. Some of them have been negative. But whatever your experience is with the church, it shapes your view of God. It shapes your view of yourself, and it shapes your view of the world around you. And so, you know, the, the interaction that you have with the people of God, with church people, the teaching that you sat under, the, the kind of worship that you participate in, all of that shapes those things about you. And so that's why over the last several weeks we've been talking about why the church exists. What's the reason for the church in your life? Because if we don't know that, sometimes we're only just shaped by our experiences. And if any of those are negative or if any of those are not biblical, then sometimes it can change the course of our life in a way that God's like, no, that's not what I want for you. So that's why we're getting all on the same page here, and we're saying, hey, this is why the church exists. Let's do it this way. Let's get it right. This is what the Bible says. And that way, we can be better positioned to be the church that Jesus always intended for us to be. And so to, to, to catch us up really quickly, the first thing we said was this, is that a church helps me know God. Like That's like super basic. That's like the very foundation of life. That, that's the very basic need of every human being on the planet. Because if we, get, if we don't get this, if we miss not knowing God, then really we miss out on everything in life. We really miss out on the meaning of life if we don't have connection to God. And so a church helps me orbit my life around God with Jesus at the center. Also, we said that a church helps me to connect with other believers. And Renee talked to us about that a few weeks ago. A church helps us to connect to other believers. God doesn't want you to do this life alone. He doesn't want you to walk the, the path of discipleship alone. It was never Jesus's intention for you to be alone in following him. He wants us to do it together. And why is that? Because it leads to the next purpose of a church, because a church helps me grow spiritually. What is a church? A church is not building. It's not brick and mortar. It's not an address. Church is the people of God coming together with a common cause, Jesus at the center, us becoming like Jesus. And so spiritual growth is not measured about how much we know about God, but it's measured by how much we're becoming like Jesus 
And that's why I need that community, because it helps me do that. It helps me become more like Jesus. And last week we said, as we become more like Jesus, a church helps me discover my purpose. God put us on this earth, on this planet, for a reason. He doesn't just want you to have a successful career. He wants you to have a calling. He doesn't just want you to make money. He wants you to make a difference. There's a purpose God has for your life. And that leads us up to today, where we're talking about this this reason that the church exists. A church exists to help me communicate God's message. A church exists to help me communicate God's message. The the church word for that, there's a couple of church words for that. One of them is mission. And the other one is evangelism. The church helps me live on mission. The church helps me evangelize. And so, just like the other four purposes, knowing God, connecting with other believers, uh, growing spiritually, and discovering my purpose, when we hit this one too, when we are communicating God's message, what we'll find about ourselves is that we'll find a fulfillment and a joy that comes in no other way in life. You you can do all the other things in life that think are going to bring you fulfillment and joy. You can go all to the concerts that you want to go to. You can go all to the Titans games that you want to go to. Actually, you probably don't want to go to all the Titans games. (laughs) Or the Tennessee games, for that matter, for the volunteers. Bless their hearts yesterday. Uh, You can do all the things to entertain yourself and do the things that you think will fulfill you and make you happy. But really, fulfillment doesn't come from that. Fulfillment comes from fulfilling God's purposes for your life. And one of those is communicating God's message, being involved, active in mission and evangelism. You know, psychology, you know, has been proving this to us. Maybe you heard of, of or studied Maslow's hierarchy of needs before. There's this psychologist that lived in the last century named Abraham Maslow, and he created this pyramid of basic human needs. And so as anyone moves up that pyramid, at the, finally when they get to the very top, they find fulfillment, and that's the greatest, like they're living their, their greatest life. They're living their best life when you get to the top of the pyramid. So at the very bottom of the pyramid are things like the very basic things that human beings need. Food, water, clothing, shelter. Those are like very basic things that we all need. That's at the very bottom of the pyramid. And then as you move up, and you get to the top, you reach what, what Maslow calls is self-actualization. Self-actualization. That's where you find this fulfillment in your heart. Something, however it comes, you find fulfillment in, the heart, in your heart, and now you're living your best life. Sounds good, right? It does. It sounds great. But psychology has, has come over the last couple of decades, and they've put another apex on top of Maslow's pyramid. They said, no, actually, self-actualization is not, is, is not the very top of the pyramid. Actually, what, what uh, psychology today says is, is the very apex of that pyramid is what they call as transcendence. Now, what that means in, you know, in, in what we're talking about here in this pyramid is that transcendence is not only that you found fulfillment, but now you are helping someone else find fulfillment. You've transcended beyond your own fulfillment, and you've, found, you've helped someone else find what you found, and they're being fulfilled, 
And actually, that is living your best life. What's, what's this doing? What, what is this? It's psychology and science saying what God has been saying all along. God says, I want to do something through you, but I don't want to stop there. I want to do, or not just, I want to do something to you or change you, but I want to do something through you. So it's not just what God wants to do for us. He wants to do something through us. And so uh, this, this simply is, is psychology and science proving that to us. I love that the way that the message paraphrase puts uh, John chapter 17. John chapter 17, let me set this up for you, uh, like chapters 13 through 17 are Jesus and his disciples, and they're observing the Passover supper. And this Passover supper is the one that they're observing right before Jesus goes to Gethsemane to pray, and he's arrested and then illegally tried in the middle of the night. And of course, we know that he's found guilty and scourged. He's uh, crucified, and then he's resurrected. But right before this, they're, having, they're observing the Passover supper. And the whole, pretty much all of John 17 is Jesus praying. It's a prayer to the Father. And in verse 18, this is what Jesus prays. In the same way that you, the Father, gave me a mission in the world, I, the Son, give a mission Give them a mission. He's talking about his disciples, talking about his followers, talking about you and me. I give them a mission in the world. In the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, Father, I give them a mission in the world. God wants you to live on mission. He wants you to share his message. And there's something about that when we're engaged in doing it. There's the greatest fulfillment that we could ever experience in our lives. Sometimes we look at people that are extremely extroverted, and we're like, man, they really have the gift of evangelism, right? I mean, it just seems so easy for them. I mean, they are just able to talk to everybody all the time. It, you know, it's so easy for them to tell people about what God is doing in their life. Man, it just comes so natural to them. But every time I hear the word missions, every time I hear the word evangelism, I start to get real nervous, and I start to get sweaty, you know? Why is that? Because we, somewhere along the line, we have equated evangelism to like extroverted personalities or extroverted ways of, of, of sharing God's message. And if you're like me and you're naturally introverted, then one of two things happens. Because all you've ever seen is a model of evangelism that caters to extroverted people. So one of two things happens. You're carrying the burden of evangelism. You know it's important. It's, it, it's, it's bedrock in you. You know that. But all you've seen or all you've had modeled for you is this extroverted fashion, this extroverted way of doing it. So what you do is you awkwardly push through it and it's so painful it's painful for you it's painful for the people that you're sharing God's message to and you seem to be getting little to no results compared to those people who are extroverted 
And so you're just struggling through the awkwardness and the pain. Or the other scenario is, is that you've given up altogether. You're like, oh, I'm just, it's, I can't do it. And, or maybe even another scenario is you, you, you're like, well, that's just not me. That's not what God's called me to do. God's not called me to share his message. So you, some of us have even gone that far, but a lot of us are in this place. A lot of us are in the place of going, I, I, I've given up on trying to evangelize and try to share God's message because it's so awkward and so painful for me, but you still carry the burden. You still know it's important. And because you still carry the burden, now you're dealing with guilt and condemnation. Listen, evangelism doesn't look just one way. It's not just for extroverts. It's not just the extroverted way. If you're someone that's introverted and you're trying to share the message of God in a way that goes against the grain of the way God created you, stop it. Stop. Save yourself the awkwardness. Save yourself the pain. Save everyone the awkwardness and the pain. Stop it. And if you're someone who is just wrestling with guilt and condemnation because you're still carrying the burden of evangelism, but you're not doing anything about it, stop it. Stop carrying guilt. Stop carrying condemnation. Those are not your friends. No, no, some people, well, guilt and condemnation are great motivators. They're only great motivators for short periods of time. That, like, guilt and condemnation are not great motivators to really bring about life change in you. Stop it. Lay them down. Let go of guilt and condemnation. So let me say this. If you're introverted, carry the burden of evangelism. And tune into the voice of the Holy Spirit, how he would lead you to use your personal and your spiritual gifts to carry the message of God in your unique way. It doesn't have to look like in some, some orange personality. Those of us have taken the true colors test, the orange personalities and the blue personalities sometimes, those feeling colors, or even the golds, you know? I'm, just, I'm thinking about myself sometimes. Oftentimes, not... There's introverted and extroverted of every color, of every personality type. But listen, God has a unique way for you to use how he shaped you and the spiritual gifts that he's given you to carry his message. And so do this. The only pressure that you need to feel is the pressure to be obedient to what the Holy Spirit is telling you to do when he tells you to do it. You don't need to feel the pressure to have your life and the way that you carry the message of God to look like someone else's. You do it the way God leads you to do it when he leads you to do it. That's the only pressure that you need to feel is being obedient. That's the pressure. It's saying, I feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to do this. I'm a little nervous. I've never done anything like this before. But God, is a, take that step of faith because he's about to use you in a unique way. And, it, and again, it doesn't have to look like you know, someone else. It doesn't have to look like, like Billy Graham or Reinhard Bonnke or Angus Buchan. God will use your unique personality and gifts to 
point people to Jesus. Whether you're extroverted, whether you're introverted, evangelism, in other words, communicating God's message, it's like planting seeds, not closing a sale. Evangelism is, is more of a picture of agriculture than it is a picture of a business deal. It's not about negotiating, it's about cultivating. I think oftentimes we have this pressure when we're sharing God's message, we have this pressure to like close the deal. Like, all right, I've shared God's message with them, I've told them about the good news, now I've got to get them to pray this prayer. And maybe, if you're like me, and, and some, you've shared the message with someone and they didn't like just like go, that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. What can I do right now to, to surrender my life to Jesus? If they didn't respond that way, sometimes we feel disappointed. We feel like, what did I do wrong? What, what's, you know, we feel this like, ah, oh, what, what could I have done different? What could I have done better? Listen, it's not your responsibility to make the sale. It's not your responsibility to close the deal. It's our responsibility to plant and to water. Paul said this, one plants and another waters. And in another place he said, and it's God that causes the harvest. It's the responsibility of the Holy Spirit to convict of sin and righteousness. Not your responsibility. All you are is the one that's the cultivator. All you are is the seed sower. All you are is the one that's watering. All you are is the one that's, uh, you know, when there's weeds, oh, let me pull, pull that weed up for you. Let me get that stumbling block, that roadblock away from you. And then maybe, possibly, God will use you in one of those times as the harvester. But it, when, when you're sharing that message and it doesn't come across right away, it's like, it's okay. It's not harvest time. It's still seed time. It's still, we're still nurturing that seed. We're still shining light on it. We're still getting it the water that it needs. The idea of sharing God's message, it doesn't have to be overwhelming to you. Instead, it should be overjoyous to you. It should fill you with life. Let's spend the next few moments here and talk about some truths about evangelism that hopefully will breathe like just a breath of fresh air to you. In Philippians, Paul writes to the church in Philippi. He writes to a local church. And so that's the first thing that we need to realize here is that Paul's not writing to a guy named Philip. He's writing to a group of church, like a group of people, a local church in Philippi. And this is what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 27. He says, Be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. I could preach an entire message on that one line of this one scripture. Where we're going to go on, but I'm going to repeat it. Be sure that you live in a way that brings honor to the good news of Christ. Standing strong with one purpose. That you work together as one. For the faith of the good news. The first thing I want us to pay attention to here is that we are called as a church to work together for one purpose. What does that mean? That means the idea of sharing God's message is not off on just any one individual. This is a mission that's shared. 
Although we all have an individual part to play, the mission is shared. The responsibility is shared. The, the mission is not something that God just wants and expects you to accomplish on your own. And this is why the church is such a big deal in our lives, because the church helps us to communicate and share the load, to share the responsibility. It's not just Renee's job. It's not just Russell's job. It's not just my job or Jamie's job or Joe's job or Susanna's job. It's all of us together. The mission is shared. The world that we live in is incredibly diverse. Middle Tennessee is an ever-increasing in diversity right now. We've got people from all different walks of life, and God wants to use each and every one of us in our unique way to help reach that diverse group of people. We all have different people that we interact with. We all have a slightly little different way that we view the world because of our personality, because of, of our experiences. We all have different people that we have influence with. And God wants to use that diversity among us to reach a diverse world. It takes all of us. Somebody, I want to show you a picture of a couple different guys here. Let, let's show this picture up here of this guy. This guy's name... <clears throat> This guy is the winner, uh, this guy's name is Jason, and he was the winner of the, this is a real thing, the Beard and Mustache World Championship last year. He won Best in Show. He won the highest award. And somebody needs to reach that guy. I mean, I, I mean I'm not making an assumption that he doesn't know the Lord because of his beard. But you know what I'm saying? It's like, interesting. Let's show the picture of this guy. This, guy's here, this guy here, his name is Daniel, and Daniel won... Uh, in the category of best freestyle mustache. Yes, there are different categories. And, and we need to reach people like this. Yes, this is very funny. Yes, this is very different. This is very unique. And some of you are going, these guys are out there. But I know there is somebody here. There might be several somebodies here that you're like, those are my people. I can roll with them. I could hang with them. We could barbecue together. We could fire up the grill together. I mean, they'd have to put their beard away and not get, get it singed or anything. But those are my people. My point is, is that it takes all of us, the, 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 the diversity in, in all of us here, to reach the diverse world. Listen, God has uniquely crafted you and given you certain experiences and it sets you up to plant seeds in certain people's lives. It helps you, it sets you up to, to water seeds that maybe someone else planted in their lives. God needs all of us to share in the mission together because the target audience is diverse. So therefore, we should be diverse. You know, one of the, the pictures that the Lord gave us is we we're planning on planting this church, Seeds Church was that every single one of us, every single one of you here, every single person in the body of Christ, your life has seed potential. God created your life like a seed. And so that's why we say in our mission statement, 
So often you hear it over and over and over again. Every single week you hear it in some way, in some form or fashion, that Seeds Church exists to help people discover who God created them to be and equip them to do what he's called them to do. Well, what does that look like in the context of, of the seed picture? God created your life with seed potential, and we want to help you discover what kind of seed you are. And then we want to cultivate all of our lives together to grow and mature, to bear the fruit that that seed was always intended to bear. And you know what? The body of Christ, we're not all apple seeds. We're not all apple trees. God has, God's orchard does not just, is not just filled with one type of fruit. God's orchard, this church, Seeds Church, is not just filled with apple trees, but it's also filled with orange trees and banana trees and avocado trees and peach trees and apricot trees, and the list goes on and on and on. We are a diverse orchard. We are a diverse group of people. We are a diverse church, and we should welcome more diversity so that we can continue to share the mission together to reach the diverse world that we live in. Amen? Jesus said, he says, I came to seek and save those who were lost. We talk a lot about how much God loves us. We talk a lot about it, and it's a great thing to talk about, and we should talk about it. And he does, and his love for us is unfathomable. And he loves you so much, and he loves the people that you work with. He loves the people that you go to school with. He loves the people that we pass by every single day. He loves the Starbucks that barista that makes your coffee. And Jesus said, I've come that, to seek and save the lost. So it's like, hey, I'm glad that you're home. I'm glad that you're found. But I've got other kids that aren't home yet. I've got other kids that aren't found yet, and I love them. And I need you to reach them. I need you to share the message. Paul said this to the Philippians, that we work together for one purpose. We share the mission. Then he said, we work together as one. So we've got this one purpose, working together as one. What does that look like? The mission is shared, but how do we share the mission? One of the ways that we share the mission is through serving. We share by serving. One of the most powerful Ways that you can express God's love and God's grace and his message is through serving. It's doing something for someone else, not for your own benefit, but for their benefit, no strings attached. And you're like, hey, I'm doing this not for you. I'm not doing this to get any glory. I'm not doing this because I want anything from you. I'm not doing this so that, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm simply doing this because the love of God is, and the grace of God has been poured out in my life, and I want you to experience it and know it in the same way that I have. We share by serving. I want us to all read the words of Jesus together here in Matthew chapter 5, verse 16. This is a brief verse here, and this is part of, of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Let's all read this together. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Let's read it again. Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. When we serve other people for their benefit, no strings attached, 
the light of God shines through us and it makes a difference in their life. It shows them that something different is possible than what they've experienced up to this point. You know, we received a couple of thank you notes from Dr. Justice over at Blackman High School for the blessing that Blackman, or that we have been to Blackman High School over the last couple of months. First thing that we did is on serve day, we went over there and we cleaned up all of their landscaping and we did thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars of work in a matter of just a few hours because we were working together for one purpose, right? And they were blown away by that. Well, a few weeks later, we went over there, and on a teacher in-service day before school started, we blessed them with free Chick-fil-A and free Starbucks. And I tell you what, when they see us coming, they have a smile on their face now. (laughs) And the next time I see Dr. Justice, I want to tell her, hey, you don't need to write us any more thank you notes. That's not what we're doing this. We're not doing this to be thanked. Otherwise, we're going to wear your hand out, too. Because I want to be a part of a church that's making an impact in our community, not just with our words, which are important, but with our actions, by doing something. Somebody here in the Seeds family was listening to the radio this, this, uh, earlier this week, and they got this idea, another idea on how to bless the Blackman High School teachers over there. And so we're working on that right now. We're trying to figure out the best way how to execute that, and I just can't wait. I can't wait. When we've got it figured out, we'll let you know what we're doing, but it's going to be exciting. And I'm excited because when, you, when we're sharing God's message, then we're being fulfilled. And I'm not doing it to get the fulfillment. It's just a natural byproduct of it. Serving is one of the simplest ways that we can share the message. You know, this is where being a part of a church family really helps us out. Why is that? Because if I just go and serve by myself, yeah, I could make a, an impact, but in a very minuscule way compared to when we serve together, the impact that we can make together is exponential. In an exponential way, we can communicate God's grace. The Apostle Paul He said, we have one purpose. We share the mission. He says, we work together as one. We share by serving. And he says, we're doing all of this for the faith, for the good news. For the faith of the good news. What is the good news? The good news is what God has done in your life. The good news is the difference, the night and day difference that God has made in your life. It's like, hey, man, I was going this way with my life, and then... I met God, and he changed everything. Because of God, I'm a better father. I'm a better husband. Because of God, I'm a better mother. I'm a better wife. Because of God, I'm a better employee. Because of God, I'm a better employer. God makes a difference in your life. That's the good news. Because of God, I no longer have to be disconnected to my creator, to the holy God. Because of what Jesus has done, because of who he is and what he accomplished, I can now be reconciled to the holy God and call him my father. And be, he, he calls me son. He calls me daughter. And he sends his spirit to live in me. That's the good news. But here's the deal. In order for it to be good news, at some point, somebody has to say something. At some point, somebody has to say something. Look, 
It is absolutely, it's impactful to serve. And that is one of the ways that we share. We do share by serving. But that's not where the story ends. At some point, somebody has to say something because when they see your good works, they've got to know who to glorify. So when someone sees the difference in your life and they, they mention it, it's not enough for you to just smile and go, well, thank you. That's great. And then go on about your business. And they're just standing there going, well, that's a nice person. That's a good person. No, that's not where the story ends. At some point, somebody has to say something and share the story of what God has done in your life. And one of the most practical ways to do that is just by speaking. The mission is shared. We share by serving and we share by speaking. We share by speaking. Speaking doesn't mean that you have to be an expert at apologetics. Speaking doesn't mean that you have to be a theologian. But what it does mean is that you're willing to share a couple of different things. And it's super easy. It's not hard at all. You share the message and the story of what God's grace has done in your life. And then it only makes sense to then invite them to a place where they can experience that same grace. And they can experience the presence of God. It's easy. It's those two things. Those are ways that we continue to plant. Those are ways that we continue to water. And it's the Lord that brings the harvest. You simply share by saying, hey, here's the story of God's grace in my life. And then I want to invite you to a place where you can experience that grace. You can experience the presence of God like I have. And maybe that place is here in the large gathering, or maybe that place is in a city group. Maybe you've got friends that, not for 100 years, or at least not what you think, they wouldn't come on a Sunday morning at 9.30. Now you could trick them and say the movies are playing. But, <clears throat> but maybe they would come to your city group. Maybe they would show up to your house. Maybe they'd show up at the coffee shop with some other brothers and sisters in your city group. When we're speaking, it's not really most impactful to be judgmental, to be harsh, to tell people what they're doing wrong. Sometimes there's a place for that. Oftentimes, actually, that's with our own brothers and sisters in Christ. <laughs> but really, when we're speaking and sharing the message of God, it's really about, hey, let me just share with you what God has done in my life. Not about, let me tell you everything that you're doing wrong. Because that only brings shame. That only brings condemnation. And the scripture tells us that it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Listen, it's not your job to guilt anybody into making them, you know, having them make a decision to follow Jesus. It's your job to say, hey, this is what God's done in my life. Look at the love and the grace of God. And God's grace has not just found me where I am. But he's, he's taken me, and he hasn't left me where I was, but he's taken me to where I am today. The message is, look at where I was, and now look at where I am. At some, boy, at some point, somebody has to speak. And I know sometimes it can seem intimidating. You can, you can feel like, man, I, I, I feel like I've got to have all the answers to everybody's question. What if they think that I'm crazy? 
do this. Have the confidence that what God has done in your life, he wants to do in someone else's life. Trust God. Be willing to share. If you see an opportunity to serve, serve. Do it. If you see an opportunity to speak, speak. Share your story. If you see an opportunity to invite, invite and bring. Bring people with you to experience the grace and the presence of God. It's not difficult. It's not that hard. God doesn't want it to be overwhelming for you. Living on mission wants to be overjoyous. Evangelism shouldn't be something that, that ties your stomach into knots. It should be something that overjoys you because when you see God work in the life of someone that you've served, when you see God work in the life of someone that you've shared your story with or you've invited, nothing better. Hardly anything better than that. It's amazing. And again, we don't do it just so that we can fulfill fulfilled or feel joy. But it's like God's, how he crafted and created us. It's like an attaboy. Attaboy. You're doing it. You're going into all the world. And you're sharing the good news. And you're making disciples. You're planting and you're watering. We've wrapped up this season. We've wrapped up this series. Summer has come to a close. We're getting uh, ready to celebrate the first birthday of our church. And um, our city groups are getting ready to launch this week. It's exciting. We're transitioning out of talking about what a church exists for, and we're transitioning into being the church. Next week, we start a brand new series called How Do I? In this series, we are looking at some questions that every single person on, in our culture, every single person in our society are asking questions to. And we're going to go to the one who has all the answers. Listen, whether you're a Christian or not, you want to know, how do I overcome fear? Whether you're a Christian or not, you want to know, how do I handle stress or how do I deal with difficult people? So this is the perfect opportunity to invite people that you know that need to be exposed to the message of God and the grace of God. And guess what? The responsibility is not all on you. We get to share in the mission together. And this is a, a great opportunity for that. Won't you stand with me? We're going to end our time together in prayer. <clears throat> As we get ready for this next season of what God has for us as Seeds Church. Let's just right now in this moment position just like our bodies in a way that ought to reflect our hearts. So just do this when you put your arms out in front of you like this with your palms up toward heaven, hands open. And lean into the invitations that the Holy Spirit is offering to you right now. Because I know, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to us right now. And you're so amazing, you can say all different kinds of things to meet every single one of us right where we are, all in the same moment. So we invite you right now and say, Holy Spirit, come and speak to us. Some of us today, our prayer 
might be something like, God, I don't know what you want to do in my life. I don't know how you want to use my life. But God, I believe eternity is long. And heaven and hell are real places. And I know that you want me to share the message. So that all your kids, God, can come home. So that all your kids can know you. God, maybe you're going to use me through my serving. Maybe you're going to use me through my story or through my invitations. But God, however you do it, I'm willing. I'm here. I don't always feel qualified. I don't know always the, the words to say. But God, I know that you, you use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So God, I'm here. I'm willing. I'm, I'm yours. Whatever you're your prayer is to God like that right now you just speak that to him Lord thank you so much for what you're doing in this community of what you're doing in us for what you're doing through us you're, you're changing the condition of our hearts you're changing the way that we think you're changing the way that we live our lives, and we thank you for that, and we say yes to it, and we want to be willing partners in your work of transformation in our life and in your work of transformation through our life. Thank you for your amazing grace. Thank you for the community that you've put us all in, that you're growing us up spiritually. You're showing us our purpose. But God, don't let it stop there. God, help us to share your message through serving. Help us to share your message through our story of your grace. Help us to share your message through giving people invitations. Help us to lead people to be reconciled to you just like we are to experience your grace and your love and your forgiveness and your, your wonderful plan that you have for our lives, just like we have, that's what we want for others. So, Lord, help us keep our ears tuned to the voice of the Holy Spirit to hear how Holy Spirit would guide us to use our unique personality and spiritual gifts that he gives to us to point people to Jesus so that they can come home to you. If you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm not following Jesus. I'm far from God. But you don't want to leave here that way today. You don't have to. You can know this grace that we've been talking about. You can know the love of God that we've, we, we're talking about sharing the message. The message is for every single one of us in this room. There's nothing that you have done that is so far gone that God is completely, completely and utterly disgusted by what you've done or what's happened to you that he has turned your, his back on you. There's nothing that you can do to repel the love of God. He extends it to us always. We just have to say yes. The scriptures lay out two very important things as we make a decision to step into the family of God. And, and make the decision to follow Jesus. And it says that we've got to believe in our hearts that Jesus is Lord. And it says we've got to confess with our mouth that, or believe in our hearts that Christ was raised from the dead, that God raised him from the dead, and confess that Jesus is Lord. 
And so I want to invite you to make that confession today and solidify that in your heart today. And you can pray this prayer with me that some people call the sinner's prayer, but I don't call it that. I call it the believer's prayer. And why don't we just invite all of us here today. Just repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I bring you my life. The good, the bad, and the ugly. I lay it all at your feet. I don't want to do my life my way anymore. But I want to surrender my life to you. Jesus, I confess you as Lord. Be in charge of my life. I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit. And help me be transformed into who you created me to be. Make a difference with my life. I want to serve you every day of my life. Amen? Amen. Let's just celebrate with all those who prayed that prayer for the first time. Or recommitted. It's the best decision that you could ever make in your entire life. Is to know God and be a follower of Jesus.